Alrighty, uh, let's get into our sermon. If you need a Bible this morning, please raise your hand. The ushers will get that to you. And uh, if you need a pen, hold up a couple fingers. Hopefully they can get that to you as well. Well guys, we're going to be wrapping up this uh, kind of section of the Holy Spirit series that we started in the month of June. And I know we didn't even come close to covering all the spiritual gifts. Whoa, I stepped over there. <laughs> we didn't even come close to covering all the spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. We just touched on a very few uh, part of them. But who knows, maybe this fall we can hit on some more of them. I don't know. I don't really know yet kind of what the fall is going to entail of what I'm going to be speaking about. But we'll see. But for now, we're going to just cover one more. And uh, before we do so, let's just look at the passage in 1 Corinthians 12 that kind of lists out a bunch of spiritual gifts, and let's just kind of start there. Verse 7, it says, Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And I love it, it says, To each one the manifestation of the Spirit. So what this is saying is that the gift... Somebody answer their phone. I don't know what's coming over there. Um, it's saying that when you see this gift played out, it is a manifestation of the Spirit, okay? It's the Spirit at work, which is kind of cool to think about that. So to one, there's given through the Spirit the message of wisdom. To another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between Spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. Alright, the gift I want to talk about this morning is the gift of miraculous powers. Okay, um, It's also briefly mentioned, if you kind of scooch down in the chapter, it's mentioned in 28 again. It says, in the church God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles. Okay, That's where it's mentioned there, that same gift. Now what's interesting about this specific gift is that it says here that the Holy Spirit imparts to the person a manifestation of himself by giving them the power to perform miracles. Okay. Now, the reason why that's kind of weird is that last week we talked about the gift of healing. Which for us, when somebody is healed from a disease, you know, miraculously healed, we would call that a miracle. We would say that is a miraculous thing. But Paul seems to differentiate between the gift of healing and the gift of miraculous powers. They seem to be two different things. Yes, the gift of healing is an, a miraculous thing, but that's not what he's talking about with the gift of miraculous powers. So what are these miraculous powers? What does it look like to have this gift? So to begin with, what I thought we'd do is we would look at the Greek word for the word miracle. Okay, And, and let's see what that is. The Greek word for the word miracle is dunamis. Okay? It is a force or a miraculous power. And as you look at that word, tell me, what do you think, what English word do we derive from this Greek word? Dynamite, exactly. Dynamite, that's just explosive power. And that's exactly what this is. It is a supernatural, miraculous power through the Holy Spirit to work in the physical realm in such a way that people see God at work. That's what dunamis is. It is power, supernatural power. And you know, when you look at this verse, technically it should read like this. To, 
in, in the ESV, I like how it words it. It says, to another, the working of miracles. Okay? And working is kind of like an operator, a worker. So it is the gift of being able to work with God's power in such a way to impact the physical world. It means that God's power is evident in a believer's life in a continual, obvious way. That's what the gift of miraculous power is all about. Okay? Now, this may include, this, you know, what, what does this look like? It, well, it could look like someone who, when they pray, their prayers are continually answered in, let's say, in the area of deliverance from danger okay, or evil. And sometimes we see that happening, you know, in the world around us. But in the early church, we see how, you know, the church was praying. People were praying for Peter to escape from, you know, to be released from prison. And God miraculously set them free from, set him free from prison. You're going to hear that story in the Family Sunday series. It's an awesome story. That's God's dunamis, okay? It also may be judgment being poured out on those who oppose the gospel of Christ. We see that happening in the early church. It also may be, you know, where we see someone delivered from injury, from something that normally in the physical world we would experience injury and, and a, a lot of damage from it. Like, for instance, Paul was, he was getting some firewood from a pile and a, and a viper struck his hand and nothing happened to him. You're going to hear that story as well. That is dunamis, God's power being, you know, poured out there in that sort of situation. It's also, you know, it can be through God working through an individual to provide for people's needs. Like I always think back of Elijah, how there was that widow who was, was running out of oil. She had a little bit of oil left in her canister, and she, he, he told her, he says, listen, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get as many canisters as you can, and I want you to pour and fill up every canister with oil. And God miraculously kept multiplying that oil so that she could fill up every canister, and she sold it and made money. That is God's dunamis, the gift of miraculous power. Now, when you hear that kind of gift, how many of us in this room would hear that and go, man, I want that gift? Just four of us, okay. It's climbing up a little bit. But what stands out to me about this is, you know, we, we hear this and we think, well, the Spirit of God's only going to give this to a very, very select few. Only a few people would have this, like maybe the apostles and some other people, but none of us. God's not going to do that for us. But you know, I believe that the gift of miraculous power is offered to a wider group of individuals than we might think. In fact, I might even go so far as to say that really the gift of miraculous power has been given, or at least made available, to every follower of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that that verse tells us that only a select few get it, and the Spirit picks out those people who, you know, who He determines who it might be. And you know, maybe what that means is only a select few have the ability to operate more powerfully in this gift. But it seems to me that this power is available to every single one of us, to every single follower of Jesus Christ. And let me explain why that is. If you turn to the book of Ephesians, you will see a letter written from Paul to the, book of, to the church of Ephesus, and this is what he writes. He goes, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know, hang on to that word, the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably 
great power, dunamis, for us who believe. That power, that dunamis, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Now, the first observation that I see here is Paul is not just writing to those with the gift of miraculous power. No, he's writing to the whole Ephesian church there. And Paul is telling the Ephesus church, he says, listen, I'm praying like crazy that you will know this power. Now, let me just stop there for a second and let's kind of do some review. Does anybody remember what is our definition of know or knowledge? What is to have knowledge on something means to what? To have an interactive relationship with it, okay? It means that you know how to interact with it. That means you have a knowledge. If you know someone, you interact with that someone. If you know your ABCs, that means you can interact with your ABCs. You know how to read and write, okay? Do you want to go to a brain surgeon who just knows about something, or do you want to go to someone who has an interactive relationship with it? Obviously, the latter. That's what knowledge is. It is to have an interactive relationship with it. And Paul wants these followers of Christ to know this power, to have an interactive relationship with this power, with this dunamis. And this dunamis, as it says in this passage, is the very power that rose Jesus from the dead. That is some amazing power, guys. It is miraculous, supernatural, explosive power. And according to this verse, he wants all of us to know it. He wants all of us to experience this amazing power in our lives. Not just a select few, all of us. It's available to all of us. Now, I want you to check out this verse too, just to kind of back up what I'm saying. This is Paul talking to Timothy, his apprentice. And he says, Timothy, he says, God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of what? Power. He's saying, Timothy, listen, this spirit that we've been given, the Holy Spirit, he isn't a spirit of fear. He's not a spirit of timidity. No, he's a spirit of power, a spirit of dunamis. In other words, we are to be operating in power, not fear. We're to be going forth into this world in supernatural, awesome power that comes from the Holy Spirit. It's like Jesus told his disciples before he ascended up into heaven. He told them this. He goes, listen, um, you will receive power. You're going to receive dunamis when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and then you're going to be my witnesses to the whole world. You're going to receive this dunamis from the Holy Spirit, and then you're going to go out into the whole world, and you are going to manifest me by your lives. How? Because my power will be flowing through you in such a way that people will know that you have a relationship with the one true invisible God. We're all to be operating in this power. Now I want to show you this verse as well. I'm sorry that I'm bouncing you all over this, but this is a powerful verse as well. And this was the verse that the men had as their theme verse for the men's advance. It says this, it says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of what? Power. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? I like to define it this way. It's the activity of God. It's God in action. 
And God in action isn't just a bunch of talking and talking. It's about power. It's about dunamis. God in action is powerful. It is supernatural, miraculous power in action. And that's what the kingdom of God is. And you and I are both to be participating in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus made possible for us to do. To be active in the kingdom of God. To work with God. To have a relationship with him. In fact, Jesus tells his disciples, when you pray, pray like this. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Basically what he's saying is, God, pray like this. God, may your power flow out on this earth as it is in heaven. May your action here on earth look like it is in heaven. And we're supposed to work along with him on that. And let me tell you, Whitestone, a relationship with him is meant to manifest itself in a miraculous way. It's not just a bunch of talking and talking and debating and debating, trying to prove people that we have a relationship with God. No, our lives should have such power that people go, man, I know you have a relationship with God. I can see it in your actions. I can see it in your life. You walk with power. Does that make sense? Everybody tracking with me? Now, I mention all this because I want to make sure that we don't fall into the ditch of thinking, well, God might have worked like that ages ago. He might have worked like that in a certain select few like the apostles, but God doesn't do that now. He doesn't do that for believers right now. I mean, that doesn't happen today. I don't see the gift of miraculous power today. But guys, I just want to say this wholeheartedly. That's simply not true. God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. That means that His power still works in His people's lives today. Amen? He still does. You've heard me tell these stories before, but they're just simply stories of God's dunamis. They're they're stories of God's power working in His people. The story of George Mueller, and he has tons of these stories, but George Mueller was a guy who owned an orphanage. By the way, check out that hairdo. He was way ahead of his time. That is awesome. And I love the beard. But this guy had an orphanage that he'd raised all the money. God had provided all the money. He didn't ask a single person. He simply asked God, and God had provided. Well, one day, they sat down to breakfast, and they had no food on the table. You've heard this story before. They sit down at the, you know, they have no food at the table. There's all these orphans sitting around the table ready to eat. And he says, God, I thank you for the food that you are about to provide. We are going to enjoy it. In your name, amen. And as he said amen, the kids looked up and there's nothing on the table, but all of a sudden there was a, a knock on the front door and they go to the front door and guess, would you believe, a bakery truck had broken down directly in front of the orphanage. And he says, hey guys, I have all this bread that's going to go bad. Would you guys even want it? And they said, bring it in. We got breakfast to feed. That's God's dunamis. And, and if you ever read the book of George Mueller, the biography on him, it's just filled with those kind of stories. God's dunamis at work. There's a story, I've told this story as well. There's a family, a missionary family in Mexico. And they had completely run out of money and they had a little bit of food left and they sat down around the table and they ate their final meal. And there was like a week and a half or so until they were going to get their next voucher. 
next money. And so they were without food. And so the father thanked the Lord for the food. And he says, but God, if you would continue to provide for our family in this week and a half time frame, please, please do. Please provide. So he got done with breakfast. They cleaned up and he walked out the back door and he looked up and he saw this raven flying in the sky. And it had something in his beak. And so he immediately thought back of Elijah who Elijah had been fed by ravens. They brought pieces of bread to to Elijah and kept him alive. And so he says, God, if that's a piece of meat in that raven's mouth, have the raven drop it and I'll cook it up and I'll feed it to my family. Sure enough, the raven opened his mouth and it fell to the ground. He ran over and he picked it up and guess what it was? It was a little purse full of money. And he went out and bought enough food to last for that week and a half before they got their voucher. That's God's dunamis another story i don't have a picture for it so don't go to the next picture quite yet back it up (laughs) missionary from new guinea told me this story thought it was awesome the whole village was just they had run out of food and they were they were just in a sense starving they had nothing else to to eat and so this missionary got down on his knees and he began to pray and he asked god he says god please please provide for this village we have no food of our own to give to them please can you provide He said he no longer got done with his prayer when this goat, (laughs) I love this, this goat comes walking into the village from the jungle. And all the Indians saw this goat, they grabbed it, they butchered it, and fed the whole village. Like, poor little goat. I mean, he's just like, hey, finally people. I finally got people. But God, that's God's dunamis. God had arranged that goat to show up at that specific time. That's God's dunamis. There's a story of the Yuki Indians. They're a fierce Indian tribe in the uh, Amazon jungles of Paraguay, and uh, new tribes had gone down there to contact them to try to, uh, you know, build a church, set up a church in their tribe to reach them for Christ. Well, they were down there, they were trying to start the whole process of befriending them and becoming friends with this Yuki Indian tribe, and, and there were five, four or five men who were on this process of, you know, in the contact. Well, one day they were walking through the jungles in, hope, in hopes to meet with the Yuki to try to start the process. And as they were walking down this path, about 12 warriors stopped out on the path with their bow and arrows drawn on the missionaries. And they had them pointed like this. And they're like, oh my word, this, doesn't, this is not good. And they began to slowly back up on the path. And they finally got away and they ran all the way back to their strong house that they had built on the edge of the, you know, in the jungle there. Well, that night they just sensed Man, we're in danger, you know, and so they just prayed and prayed and asked God for, their, for you know, their protection. Years later, once they had befriended the Yuki tribe and they were, you know, living in the village there, the missionary asked the Yuki, he says, hey, do you remember that time where we were on this path and you had all these arrows and bows and pointed at us and we, we thought you were going to kill us. What were you guys doing that day? And he said, actually, we set out to kill you. We, we were on our way to kill you. You guys showed up on the path, so we all stepped out, but none of us could let go of our bowstrings. We were like frozen here, none of us could let go, and then you guys ended up walking away. And so we thought, well, okay, we'll go at night, and we'll sneak up to your strong house, and we'll set it on fire, we'll burn you to the ground, and we'll kill you there. But when we snuck up that night, there were these huge, four huge soldiers with glowing swords standing at the four corners of your house, and it scared the tar out of us, so we ran away. And we decided to leave you alone. That's God's dunamis. That's God's power at work. 
The next story is a very personal one for me. Many of you guys have heard it. My dad was a missionary pilot in Colombia in 1985. He flew into a village and he was surrounded by Colombian communist guerrillas. They kidnapped him and held him at gunpoint, flew him to another location where he spent five days under their gunpoint, you know, holding him hostage. Well, in the middle of the night, on the fifth night, in the middle of the night, dad, without a flashlight, crawled on his hands and knees 700 yards to where the airplane was without a flashlight, finds the airplane, turns the airplane around, taxis it out, takes off in the middle of the Amazon jungle with no runway lights, no, no lights at all, just the one on the airplane, takes off, ends up running out of gas, lands the airplane on his perfect little pasture that God had ordained for him. I'm here to tell you, and you need to hear this, there is no humanly possible way that could have happened. That was God's dunamis. That was God's dunamis at work. And I remember as a 13-year-old when Dad landed from having been kidnapped, I was overwhelmed with that. I was like, that's God's power. Now this isn't near as glorious and amazing, but this was a little cool, little powerful, powerful thing where I felt like God worked in my life. A couple years ago, my daughter was at a sleepover. And you know, as parents, you never really like that, but you allow it, and you're kind of like, oh, I really can't control anything while they're over there. But um, So one night I was sleeping, and she was at the sleepover, and weirdly enough, somebody was grabbing my big toe and pulling it. And they pulled so hard, it like woke me out of sleep. And I'm like, Who, who's pulling my toe? And when I woke up, I felt the Lord say, Luke, you're going to get a text from your daughter. Be ready for it. So I was just like, oh, okay. So I was waiting, waiting, and no text came. So I got up to go to the bathroom, and I came back to bed, and I'm laying there all of a sudden, ding! Get this text, and she goes, Dad, are you awake? I'm like, yeah, believe it or not, someone pulled my toe and woke me up, and so yeah, I'm here. What's going on, honey? And she says, Dad, I just feel like there's this evil presence around me right now. I'm terrified. I'm scared to death. And can you just pray and, and just keep praying for me until I fall asleep? And I'm like, sure, but how am I going to know that you're falling asleep? You know, you can't text me back, you know, that I'm done. And I says, tell you what, I'll just pray until the Lord tells me it's okay, and then I'll be done. She says, okay. So I prayed for her, and I prayed for her, and then I felt like the Lord said she's sleeping. I went back to bed. The next day she came back. She says, Dad, when you started praying, it just lifted, and I was able to sleep. I know it's small, but that's God's dunamis. That's God's power at work. And I, I share these stories, guys, to hopefully try to build your faith a little bit to hopefully remind you that our God is at work around us. He's real. He's active. He's a God of miracles. And He interferes with this physical world in such a way as to display His glory. And He, he wants to use us to be a conduit of that power. Amen? You can count on that. He wants you to live a life of faith. He wants you to experience His power flowing through you in such a way that the whole world can look at your life and go, that's God. That's God. And He gets all the glory and all the honor. So yes, I do believe that certain individuals, the Holy Spirit incredibly empowers them to act out in great power and great dunamis. But I also believe that this dunamis is available to all of us. All who are followers of Jesus Christ. And as Paul said, I pray that you may know this power. That you may have an interactive relationship with this power. Amen. 
Why don't I long for the day where we experience this power here in our midst on a regular basis? I really do. I cannot wait for that day. But I want to say this, if I may. I find it so interesting that so many Christians flock to the power part of the relationship with God. Everybody wants God to bestow power on them so that they can do great and mighty things. We all want the gifts of the Spirit. Those kind of things, they attract us and we're constantly seeking them. But what every single one of us must know, and I need you to pay attention here, we must know that with great power comes great responsibility. And to carry great responsibility, one must be a person of character. In other words, you and I should be seeking nonstop to live out the fruit of the Spirit before we even seek out the gifts of the Spirit. We should be learning and training to become men and women who are loving, who are gentle, who are kind, who are joyful, who are faithful, who are peaceful, who are patient, and on and on the list goes. And we must become men and women of character. And it's not until we become men and women of character that we will be able to handle such power. We must be men and women of character to correctly and wisely handle this power. We need to be people who manifest the fruit of the Spirit before we can become men and women who live out the gifts of the Spirit. Does that make sense? Power without character is dangerous. It's dangerous. It would be like me handing a set of keys to a six-year-old and say, sure, honey, take it out for a spin. Have a blast. You deserve this. Well, not only would it be a danger to himself, it would put a lot of other people in danger. And that's the same way it goes with God's power. We can't just be given the power of God willy-nilly. No, God gives it to men and women who have character to wield it. In James it says, the prayer of a righteous man is powerful. It's dunamis. Powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man. It doesn't say the prayer of a sinful, irresponsible man who lacks self-control is powerful and effective. No, it says the prayer of a righteous man. And someone who is righteous is someone who is living rightly before God. He's living out the fruit of the Spirit in his life. And that kind of person is powerful and effective. And the dunamis of God is evident in his or her life. Whitestone, let us become those kind of people. Amen? Let's train, let's disciple ourselves after Jesus, let's apprentice ourselves after Him, and more and more become men and women of character who are then able to manifest the power of God in the world around us. And by doing so, we bring honor and glory to God. That's my desire for Whitestone. That should be all of our desire for Whitestone. Amen.